0: Alright, it's working. I am recording this time. Kilobytes (laughs) counting up? Yeah, kilobytes counting up. Megabytes counting up? Yeah, there we go. I got bars. (laughs) I have no response.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ooh! Welcome to episode 411
0: of the Design Details Podcast. We're here to break it down. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach, yeah, here with the early 2000s reference, the 411. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're having a good one. Brian, how you
1: doing? Uh, great, Marshall. I feel like we should just go ahead and get this out of the way. We took
0: last week off because it was your birthday. It was my birthday, yeah. This is the end of my 30s. Wait, wait, you turned 40? No, 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 this is the last. Oh, I, I am now enjoying the final 360 some odd days of my 30s.
1: Oh, well, let's start here. Marshall, uh, at the time this is released, I will have just turned 29. So I'm in the last year of my 20s. Wow. So give me a top tip
0: for maximizing the joy of life in your 30s. <laughs> well, first off, happy birthday secondly uh you're already in pretty good shape right like i got my uh, (laughs) done i got my gig at google at the end of 29 like i I turned 30 the first few months i was there right so uh you've got a big head start on where i was so i think work wise work 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 what about like life and pleasure and you know seeking enlightenment and fulfillment oh man Well, I know you're joking, but honestly. (laughs) Well, not really. (laughs) That's actually the more interesting part. Okay. Well, uh, when I was 27, I was not happy with my partner, and I don't think my partner was happy with me. And part of it was because I was grinding. I was on that grussel, Brian, just grinding and hustling so hard trying to get a job in the industry, (laughs) and Uh it was taking time away from her, and she didn't appreciate that very much and ended up breaking it off. And it was the best thing I ever did because then I was able to focus and she was able to focus on her stuff and she's happy now. And I'm very happy now And that was like a major decision I made near the end of my 20s That really set me up for happiness in my 30s Because I, I let go of a potential future that I saw for myself Of like, oh my god, is this, is this what it is forever? And I wasn't happy with it And I'm so happy that I cut shit off, you know So what's the, the lesson to be drawn here? Like, um... Don't be afraid to make big changes Because they mm. compound And the earlier you make those big changes The more time you have to benefit from them I love it. Okay. I got to think of what those big changes could be. Yeah. I mean, you're in pretty good shape, like I said. I don't think you need to change too much about your life, Brian.
1: I think I should quit and become a woodworker. I don't know. What do people quit designing to become? Do the opposite (laughs) of me.
0: Yeah. Marry Effie and move to (laughs) Chicago. (laughs) Move to Chicago and take up gambling. Hardcore gambling. There you go. There you go. Sweet. Anyways, uh, welcome back for another birthday episode. Weeks. Yeah, it's Birthday <laughs> Boys. So um, sorry we were gone last week, but we got a good episode for you this week. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, huge shout outs. We got another
1: solid list of Vips, a couple people we know. So shout outs to our new very important Pixels, Darian, Shinran Wong, Olafer Sverin Kartensen. That's a hard one. I'm going to go ahead and say I missed. Yeah, sorry that, about that. I think that, that was a whiff uh, that you tried. <laughs> Adam Collier. Genghis Mendoza, Moj, Andre Slopsov, Chase Simmons, Justin Bond, Derek Shirk, and Missile Abru. And Missile, if I mispronounced your last name, I'm very sorry. But I wanted to call out that Missile and I have actually met in person at Makeshift, which is oh, nice. Gabriel Valdivia and a couple other folks. They started a co working space in Brooklyn. So it's been cool to like, meet new people this year, Marshall? Yeah. Did you know that that's a thing that you can do? I you can like that venture out the into table. the world? Yeah, I thought I thought what I had was what I had. The cards dealt were the cards that I had, but you know, there are other people out there ready to meet and greet, and it was it's been really fun actually to be around designers again. Awesome. Shout-outs. Well, welcome to the fam, yeah. everybody. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you and all the very important pixels that we just called out are supporting the show every week. They make it possible. That happens on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. When you go there, you can sign up for just a buck a month.
0: Just a buck a month.
1: And in return, you get double apps, bonus content. Every week, you'll get access to a new supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, Sidebar. The Sidebar is another episode. We cover another design topic, answer another listener question. It's different every week. Last week, we talked all about keynote tips and tricks, how to have a nice deck. And this week, we're talking about designing with your mind's eye, brain prototypes. So if that sounds fun, you want to dig into that, head to patreon.com slash design details. For just a buck, you'll get access to our entire backlog of sidebars, as well as that sweet, sweet bonus content every week going forward. So thank you to everyone who's joined the fam this week, and we hope to see more of you. Once again, that's patreon.com slash design details.
0: Just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. <laughs> All right. So this week we have what uh, I'm going to dub a follow-up episode, Brian, uh, which is a whole episode of follow-up from, from previous episodes. So last week we talked about the differences between working at an agency and working in-house at a large company. And there are trade-offs, pros and cons between those two things, but we're answering a a question asked by Brian Leach, and Brian Leach wrote back to us with some follow-up. So he tweeted and said, What a great discussion. The biggest attractor for in-house work in my experience is the lack of breadth that you talk about. I've seen folks start to experience some creativity atrophy when working on similar problems and similar styles all the time and want to avoid that. Having worked in both worlds, I really appreciate the ability to get into deep functionality, measure outcomes, and iterate that comes with in-house work, but I really miss the challenge to my creativity that comes from agency work. Any thoughts on company org structures, process approaches, or anything else that can push this creativity growth? Yeah, I have
1: a couple. I mean, I don't know, maybe these are obvious, but I think one thing we called out last time was switch teams. Uh, I don't think you can do that that often but at least in companies I've worked and people I've talked to, usually like every year or two is a good opportunity to switch teams and try something new. Another thing that's not as intense as switching a team is hackathons. And we do this at GitHub. We've done this at most places I've worked like once a quarter or once a half. The team sets aside a week and just says like, fuck the roadmap, let's play. And You get people together who have never worked together on certain things. You know, like a designer might pair really closely with a back-end engineer to build out some random, weird idea. And the ideas don't have to have anything to do with the roadmap or the product. It can be totally different. Um, One thing that we do at GitHub, which is kind of cool because of our org structure, um, the mobile apps kind of sit pretty close organizationally to the desktop team and the CLI team. And so we've had hackathons in the past where the people on those three teams have a chance to work together, brainstorm together, bounce ideas around. And that's really cool to experience like, a little bit of what they're working on and meet new people and work with new people. And then at the end, like you get to see all the demos from people working on totally different things. Uh, so I really enjoy those moments. But uh, yeah, what else, Marshall? What would ha- how have you stayed creative over the years?
0: Yeah, I uh, I was just going to kind of parrot what you had just said. So there's a video game company called Double Fine. It's based here in San Francisco, Brian. They're a fun little indie game studio, but they've made some pretty big games. Anyways, they do a thing annually called Amnesia Fortnite. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's, it's basically like a game jam type of a thing where they drop what they're doing, and for two weeks, a fortnight, they only work on a little side project and everybody splits up into teams and they make little tiny games as basically pitches. And sometimes those games end up becoming full games that the the whole team starts working on. Right. So but it's a way to like blow out the cobwebs, you know, dust everything off and just, you know, do something new and and get inspired again. And yeah, I think that's a really great way to keep yourself fresh and not get burnt out is like you know try some new stuff every once in a while especially if it's company sanctioned you know mm. yeah i mean
1: that's the way right like you have to find time otherwise i think i agree it is really easy to get stuck like working on the same problems with the same processes measuring the same outcome so agreed thanks for the question brian yeah okay let's move on we have another tweet from Raphael who tweeted when should a product company consider hiring an external agency? This was one of the things that we called out as like a caveat last week, right? Like neither of us have worked at an agency, but we've had experience working with agency designers at our big company jobs where they come in to work on a particular problem. So, yeah, what do you think? When have you considered bringing in outside expertise? for work at a product company.
0: Yeah, something that I forgot to mention when we talked about this last time is, yeah, I I also have some experience working with agencies from a large company. You know, like we've hired out some stuff. So I've never been personally responsible for it, but I have sat through some meetings, laying things out, doing briefs, setting everything up to be worked on. It's really interesting. A lot of it has been just basically illustration work or marketing or, you know, kind of stuff that is outside the bandwidth of the team that we would do in-house, but we just don't have the people power or the time to do it. So yeah, it's usually like something that we can hand off our language and the way we would do it enough to somebody else that they can replicate what we would do if we had the time. So it needs to be well-defined. Yeah, those sound like the two
1: reasons to me. I agree. Yeah, like, okay, so the well-defined, yeah, handoff. But I think earlier you were mentioning like expertise And bandwidth. Maybe there's a third that we could think of. Like, if there are other people that know how to do something better than anybody in your company, for example, the illustrations might be a good example, right? If, like, nobody in your company can illustrate well or doesn't have a foundation there, bring people in to do that. And then the bandwidth side, I don't know, I see this a lot at startups where at the startup, the most important thing is community building or product building, usually and they don't have time to really consider maybe brand elements or the marketing page or the about page like some of those things where if they've just raised money they can basically buy a marketing page and focus all of their core energy and attention on on the product itself feels like a pretty good <laughs> reason to hire an agency
0: yeah but it, it usually is relatively well scoped so it's a clear deliverable at the end of this you know we usually don't farm out stuff that's kind of unknown like hey, you know, just take your time and uh, figure some stuff out for us. <laughs> Let us know when you're done. And, yeah, uh, have fun charging us 500 bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So usually when we do go to an agency, there's a, a very known deliverable that we need and a timeline and everything is already worked out. Uh, and we make sure that we provide everything to empower them to meet those deadlines and everything. Good question, Raphael. Thank you for asking it. All right. Our next bit of follow-up comes from Genghis Mendoza, who messaged me on the side and uh, had some feedback on the agency side of stuff that we weren't able to necessarily cover as well because we've never worked at one. So uh, perfect. Yeah. Someone listened to us
1: asking for help <laughs> Yeah, we got
0: help. Thank you, Genghis. Sometimes it happens. So uh, thanks, Genghis, for reaching out with this information. So I'll just read off what he wrote here. Here's some advantages of agency agency and consulting work can help you build a number of skill sets that increase articulation, range and vision as a designer. So if you think of RPGs like role playing games, consultants primary builds are DPS, so like damage per <laughs> second, they're like uh, damage dealers, this. okay. Uh-huh. And in-house designers are tanks, so they like oh, take yeah. a lot of damage, uh-huh. they can absorb a lot of damage. And where are my healers at? <laughs> yeah, right, support. Consultants have to be agile, quick, and engaging. These are skills you can learn through experience. But if you're a generalist, they will help you extend your thinking, mental models, and patterns in ways in-house work can't provide. So he goes on to enumerate those ways. Uh, So they allow you to build your strategic business skill set, working with strategists, engagement managers, and clients. You develop new views of what your designs do to impact the client's business. It also helps you build your soft skills, your consultant muscle, he says parenthetically, being able to articulate your designs, learning to work with a variety of different stakeholders, broaden your audience from C-level to non-product people. It's kind of interesting. That we, we talk about soft skills a lot here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe at the end I'll, I'll have some follow-up points on these. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll blow through them and then we'll discuss. All right, so uh, number three. Exercise your design rigor. Strengthen your process or become nimble and adjust your process depending on the engagement. Improve research skills as you develop patterns to learn quickly and delve into new verticals, markets, and problems. Facilitation skills improve, so you practice techniques and you build up your playbook of strategies to diverge, bring people to consensus, and all the things you need to do to make clients a part of the design thinking process. Uh, breadth of verticals, so developing a wider lens to learn more patterns from different industries, learning new problems and solving for them. And lastly, since you're in a strategic mindset most of the time, you're always searching for possibilities, trends, and you begin to develop a futurist mindset as you're designing for the art of the possible. I think this is a skill set you can also learn in-house, but as a consultant, the path is more attuned to lend to this behavior. Using the RPG metaphor, this is the specialization in the skills tree. Mm. I love this metaphor. All right. So thank you, Genghis. That was awesome. Brian, do you have thoughts? Well, first of all, I think we should design a skill tree little mini game <laughs> for
1: designers oh, where gosh. somehow you get like tokens and you get to pick your,
0: your skill tree. And yeah, yeah. At
1: some point, things will diverge, right? Like,
0: yeah. Like number of years in the industry, like every year gives you one skill <laughs> token. Point. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh. Anyways, yeah, I think a lot of this makes sense. For me, like I think, you know, Genghis points out, like, none of this is necessarily mutually exclusive with in-house work. I think the tank versus DPS is a really interesting comparison. But some of the stuff like soft skills and being able to articulate designs, learning to work with different stakeholders, talking to C level and non-product people, like all that stuff also kind of resonates with me as an in-house designer. I feel like I feel like one of the biggest areas of growth. I've had in the last couple of years is learning how to do that, like pitching ideas, working those ideas upstream, 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 until you get to, yeah, the leadership team level pitch. And at that point, you got to be fucking dialed in and ready to go and have your story pretty damn good. So I can imagine from the agency side, you just do that all the time regularly with different kinds of industries. And that last point, the different kind of industries—that perhaps is the part that feels mutually exclusive and exciting. Like, I think it was point six. Yeah, the breadth of verticals, developing a wider lens to learn patterns from different industries. I, that's the thing that sounds the most fun and interesting to me. Like, if I were ever to go into agency work or start an agency, it would be to do that. Like, I want to go work on some crazy shit outside of developer tools for a few months and just learn like what patterns happen over here. That I've never thought about or considered or needed to know about it's funny like I, I'm really deep in dev tools you're really deep in like gaming and video obviously there's like fintech health tech Like it would be fun to have experiences in lots of those and what a great way to build a well-rounded set of tools or experiences I think I would still be concerned a little bit about like having depth on any of those and like if you want to be a fintech designer and like understand the way money works and design financial products for the world, like sometimes those things you will be at an advantage by building long term expertise, maybe just from a financial point of view. But yeah, that circles says back to the trade off of like, well, that can get boring after a few <laughs> years. So <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think I've talked about this before, which is basically I, Part of my brain is dedicated entirely to interaction patterns, right? And I, I have a catalog of all of these things that I've ever seen in my life. And, and you know, when I see a new pattern, I try to understand it. I try to understand what the people behind it were thinking just through inference, and I add it to my catalog. But because I've only kind of been in the same narrow industries, there's I'm sure there's tons and tons of patterns that I haven't even seen before that might be helpful in the stuff that I do do. So, hey, there
1: you go. Doo doo. Doo doo.
0: Hey. <laughs> I tried to leave some space between it so it wasn't obvious that I was saying doo doo, <laughs> but yes, doo doo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that sixth point is the most exciting for me of like, yes, expand the catalog, add more patterns to solve more problems and different problems. Super exciting. Yeah. You know, speaking of patterns,
1: just one thing I wanted to call out. I love that moment when you discover a new pattern. Mm -hmm. That is special because it doesn't happen very often. Or if it does, like something maybe you saw a long time ago and now you're seeing like the modern sort of flavor of it. That's exciting. It kind of happened to me recently, actually. I was trying Clubhouse again. I had a Clubhouse call the other night. And they have this new interesting UI where you're in a Clubhouse room. And they sort of... There's like a little tab of paper hanging off the right edge of your screen. It looks like a little pull tab, you know, something that you would pull to open some packaging. So the design of it affords like pulling and dragging. So you pull that tab from the right edge of the screen and it pulls in a modal that they call the back channel where you can chat with people on the side while listening to a conversation. And I can't remember seeing that pattern anywhere. I don't know. Maybe that strikes something for you. Yeah, I I have seen A whole tab from the edge that brings in like a half modal type experience.
0: Yeah, I think, well, it's not half modal, but I think in Android P or maybe Q, I can't remember which one, but a couple (laughs) couple Androids ago, Uh uh, at least on the stock Google Android, in the top left corner of your home screen would be like the Google G. On one of those little pull tabs to indicate that you could swipe to the left oh, to get to your yeah, like today view. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good one. That also reminds me of uh, like the Android phones with curved edges on the side where there's an interaction where you. It's not an edge swipe. It's almost like a deep edge swipe. Like a curved edge swipe. The
0: waterfall edges or,
1: you know, infinity edge. I forget what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. That does something else. Anyways. Okay. We're going to rabbit hole here. But (laughs) uh, thanks for all the the points, Genghis. I I think I agree overall. And these are the things that just make you wish you could live multiple lives. Like, I think it would be fun to try all of these things. And, And it's still possible. Like, got time. But yeah, I'm having fun on one side of this. And it's cool to hear about the other. Yeah, I love this one from Yule Albert on Twitter. Yule tweeted at us. This is two weeks ago. We talked about Yelp's new app icons. And Yule did a little research. More research than we did, Marshall. <laughs> okay. So maybe we should feel a little bit of shame. Yule looked up the Yelp app icons on the Google Play Store. And they're different. And they are much closer to what we described as they should have done that. And they did it on the Play Store, where instead of putting the word Yelp on the app icon, they instead just use the glyph for each of their sort of family of apps, larger centered on the the icon. Mm It looks great. It looks way better, right? Yeah. I mean, let's get over the, I think we still have some nits and picks about the the gradients and jelly kind of experience. But uh, yeah, much better. Anyways, (laughs) there's like a small optical illusion where it feels bottom heavy and like, Maybe it could have been nudged up a little bit. But anyways, uh, Still. thanks for calling that out, will We'll have a link to that tweet if anyone wants to see the, the side-by-side of Android and iOS. You think they heard us? <laughs>
0: no, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> uh, you're probably right. All right, and finally, wrapping this all up, uh, we have a tweet from Derek Shirk, also a brand-new VIP you might have heard earlier in the list, mm-hmm. who uh, tweeted at us and said, I've heard you mention what I think you've called box constant. And you spelled it B-A-C-H, as in the composer, Bach. And Box Constant says people don't read. Am I getting that reference correct? Could you share a link to an original source? And I replied I love it. this is where this is where audio fails us, Mark." <laughs> yeah, so uh, Bach is not B-A-C-H, it is B-O-C-K, which is the spelling of my last name, because this is my unofficial UX law, <laughs> Box uh-huh. Constant, which says People don't fucking read. He left out the fucking, but it's important. I put it in there for a reason. It's only <laughs> four words. People don't fucking read. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fucking is important because people really, really don't read. You might think you want them to. You might think they will, but they won't. So if you have an important message that you're trying to convey to them, you should not rely solely on the copy, solely on the text to relay that message. That's what box constant means. So we've we've mentioned it kind of in passing before. So if you ever wondered... It's kind of an inside joke going pretty far back in the podcast. But thanks for asking, Derek. You gave me another reason to hawk my fake UX law.
1: You know, I don't know if John Yablonski listens to this podcast at all. But John, if you do listen, uh, John runs LawsofUX.com, which is a great website. Everyone should check it out. We've, in fact, done a deep dive into product design principles based on a lot of these. And it would be really fun to see a box constant show up here. (laughs) It would be
0: really fun. Yeah, can we get a change.org <laughs> petition going, Brad? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, let's let's all sign a petition to alongside Fitz law and the Doherty threshold and Hicks law. Jacob's law. Fox yeah, Fox I'm so. right up there, yeah. man. You're right up there. And yours is going to be short and sweet, and I wonder what the graphic would be. What 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 would be your ideal visual representation be of people don't fucking read?
0: Uh, hmm, what would it be? Uh I was gonna say a pair of closed eyes. Or just like a closed yeah. eye. <laughs> Basically. I
1: would do um I would do a person. It would be like a cartoony kind of visualization of a, a person sticking their head in the sand.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's good. That's good. Oh shit. You know what'd be good? Is using books as like a laptop stand or T V stand or something. Mm. Oh, I see. I see. It's that's a, like a, a the, little bit the of books a stretch, are there, but, but yeah, you, ha- you have you have that mm-hmm. They're used for something much more shallow mm-hmm. to prop yeah, like up a hol- screen. holding up one side of the sofa. <laughs> I, I was going even more shallow, like using a book as a, a prop for your phone so you can watch more TikTok videos. Or <laughs> there something. you go. People don't fucking read. All right. Anyways, yeah. thanks for the tweet, Derek, and let's get that petition going. Uh,
0: I think that wraps it up for the follow-up episode. Brian, you want to do cool things? All right. Marshall, the game Hearthstone. Heard of it?
1: Very familiar. They have lots of my money. Yes, I know what you're talking about. All right. I played Hearthstone in the year 2015 and maybe into 2016. Yeah, It got me through many
0: a shuttle ride (sighs) at Facebook, sitting in traffic. I'll tell you what, though. There was a spot on the way down to Mountain View where it would cut out, and I lost several games. Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) not good. That's so frustrating. Well, okay,
1: Marshall, I'm here to share some good news, okay? I hadn't played Hearthstone since 2016. Five years. And I don't know why. Something triggered me chemically in my brain, of course, but I don't know what it was to go, I want to play Hearthstone. So I downloaded it, and boy, oh boy, the game has changed over the years. They have added so much content. I didn't even know where to start. And what I felt was an immediate sense of, shit, I can never catch up. There are five years of cards and packs and content and and stuff that I haven't earned along the way to sort of keep up with the metas And on and on. So I felt really down, and I tried to get into a lot of the single player stuff, which was pretty fun. But as soon as I jumped into a 1v1 match of a classic Carson match, yeah, truly decimated. Then I was like, all right, shit, now I need to go look up metas and like build my own decks. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Which is kind of the fun of it, right? Like that that can be fun if you're into that level of it. But if you're just trying to skim across the surface, looking up net decks and assembling things is not super fun.
1: Well, especially when I knew that if I looked up a meta deck, it would require me doing some purchasing. So I was like, all right, before I get that far, let me poke around. So they have a mode that I had not heard of before. I don't know when this came out. It's called Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Have you heard of that, Marshall? I knew that it existed. I've never seen it or played it. All right, so Battlegrounds is a variant of the core game that is very, very different. But the thing that's most important to know about it is that it is a great equalizer. Everybody starts at the same level of the playing field. Every match, clean slate, and you're up against an arena of eight people, I would say a, a full round of Battlegrounds takes between 15 to 20, 25 minutes. It's a little bit of a commitment. Uh, it, it only takes longer if you're winning, if you're doing good. If you lose really quickly, then it's short. I could not begin to describe all of the rules of Battlegrounds, except I would just recommend people who have tried Hearthstone, maybe never got into it, or people like me who had tried it or played a long time ago and have forgotten about it. This is a, a way to ramp back in because everybody that you're playing against starts from scratch. And every game is new, it's different, and the design of the mechanics, the gameplay, I just find it incredibly fun and compelling and obviously addicting. It is, you know, every matchup is different. You're picking different heroes, you're getting different cards, you're strategizing in different ways. I've, like, gotten into Hearthstone Battlegrounds YouTube and, like, Mm. seeing streamers pull off crazy shit, and as soon as you go down that rabbit hole, it becomes really fun and engaging. Uh, so anyways, my cool thing this week will be for people like me who might have uh, forgot about Hearthstone, give Battlegrounds a try. It's been a great source of entertainment for the last five days of my life. Here's my question for you, Brian. How's the music? Oh, man. Well, I remember recently you and I were talking about this. You were like, I could sit down and, and have the Hearthstone soundtrack playing in the background. Forever, and I wouldn't get sick of it. Like It's perfectly designed in that way. It's perfect. Yeah, I can hum it right now. It's beautiful. It holds up. Yep, Yep. it's stuck in my head. There's lots of, I don't know, small jokes, and and there's personality and character to it. Yeah, it's fun. So to
0: the artists and developers who I'm sure work wildly hard on this thing, kudos. Cool thing, Brian. Uh, Mine this week is another book. So I've been reading a lot of fantasy novels recently, right? Like I finished The Stormlight Archive, and then I read a bunch of that Joe Abercrombie stuff or a whole trilogy of that. I went on, I, I read uh, The Name of the Wind. And after that, I was like, okay, I've read a lot of fantasy, and I need some like sci-fi or something to like switch it up. And I stumbled upon this book called The Fold by Peter Kleins. He is an author I haven't read anything from before, but the setup for the book Grabbed me. So here's the premise, Brian. The main character is described as a young Alan Rickman, so basically a young Severus Snape. So that's like kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, place to start from. He's not some dashing Indiana Jones, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does have a superpower, and this is like one of my favorite things in books: is is when you have a normal protagonist that has a superpower, but Uh they're still just normal person. Basically, they're Hawkeye. Uh, So this guy's superpower is he has an eidetic memory. What is that? Uh, He can remember everything he's ever seen in full fidelity, perfect detail. Don't people who have that in real life consider it almost a curse? Yeah, and that is part of the the story that uh, you'll learn as you read the book. He has chosen to become like a high school teacher because he wants to be normal. And he's got a buddy in the government and the buddy comes and says, hey, I want you to check out this thing. And he's always turned him down in the past, but he's got this really interesting thing of like, I got this group of scientists working out in the middle of the desert. I want you to go check out and make sure that what they're doing is legit. So he goes out there and a group of scientists has developed essentially a teleportation machine that opens a fold in reality and allows you to go from one point to another instantaneously but it kind of seems like maybe they're hiding something. So hmm. that's that's the book for you. It, something
1: and, is afoot.
0: Yeah, something is afoot. And boy, oh boy, it's got a buck wild ending. Uh, it goes pretty crazy at the end, but overall, really enjoyable. It was a nice, tasty treat after some pretty heavy, you know, high fantasy stuff that I've been reading. So if you're yeah, interested. This, this sounds like my jam. Yeah, this sounds good. I didn't want to stop listening. Like I actually stayed up way too late a couple of nights just because I, I normally put the like 30 minute timer on as I go to sleep, and usually I fall asleep before it stops playing. This one, it just kept the timer would end, and I'm still awake listening to the damn thing. Like, okay, extend half an hour, extend Marshall, half an hour, extend half you're, an hour. You're out of control. I you're know. partying
1: too hard. We're going to have to set some limits. <laughs> uh, get it under control. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's how I live, man. No, that sounds awesome. I mean, that's the joy, right? That's the reason we read. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, cool thing. I will check this out
0: cool let's get out of
1: here all righty let's do it this has been episode 411 of the design details podcast hope you enjoyed it if you did let us know what you thought we're on twitter as always at design details fm of course if you want to hear more design chit chat head over to patreon patreon.com slash design details where for just a buck a month just a buck a month get access to the sidebar 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 the sidebar is our bonus content every week And to this week, we're talking about designing in your mind's eye. Brain prototyping. If you want to hear us talk about that, once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. All right. That's it for us. Catch you next week.
0: Bye. I miss people kind of sometimes (laughs) tentatively miss people. Uh As I said it, I'm like, ah, do. I really though. (laughs) Am I lying to just sound nice? (laughs) Yeah.